0: Okay, so the divine dance, balancing the masculine and the feminine. It's a controversial subject, especially from an ex-feminist. And I say ex-feminist because before we divide uh, the soul into the masculine and the feminine, um, I would like to first speak of the story of pain. And the story of pain is equal to both. I would not want to call them genders, but to both energies and to both frequencies. Um, The pain inflicted by one to the other, on the other, is more obvious. Um, And so that's the story of aggression or suppression by what we call the masculine energy. Um, The pain inflicted by the feminine energy is not as obvious. It is more underlying, it's more manipulative, it's more... Smart, um, if I want to now give it titles deceitful, um and both have demonstrated or exhibited their story of pain differently. The unfortunate part is um that since centuries, the actions of one, which is the masculine, um have been upheld so strongly by um, the societal and the political structures that it's become more cemented in our uh, current consciousness. And so the man is now the aggressor. Man is now the suppressor. That's how we attack the masculine. And because this is the aggressor and there is a victim here, the victim, as is true for any victim, learns to be more sophisticated in their quest for survival, which is what the feminine has done. Um, and the way they begin to be more sophisticated is where one is more physically overpowering, which is the masculine. The feminine energy uh, begins to be more um, tactful in its exhibition of control and inflicting pain. And what she begins to do is that she begins to play, whether we call them mind games, mind control, um passive-aggressive narcissism, there are many tags and titles for it. But essentially, she is not using physical power or physical pain to control the masculine, but she is using um, her faculties the best she knows how, which is through her mind. And by also withdrawing her attention and withdrawing her affection away from the masculine. And so what's happened as a result of this story of pain, where... The masculine um, wanted to overpower the feminine and the feminine wanted to survive. Uh, We have given rise to uh, what we know as the distorted masculine and the distorted feminine or the wounded masculine and the wounded feminine. Both are equally true. And however you look at the distorted versions of the masculine and the feminine, the agenda for both is the same, which is how do I manifest control over the other. And because the story of pain is equal to the story of control in this particular case, um, the result is dysfunctional political structures, yes, but also very hugely dysfunctional relationships, uh, whether it's in larger families as parents or in uh, more personal relationships. And this power play between the masculine and the feminine has gone on for centuries. And what I would like to talk about today is the fact that there is no one victim and there is no one aggressor. There is a cycle of pain that began millions of years ago. It was perpetuated, it was upheld, it was solidified, it was uh, supported uh, to be for people who wanted to uh, control and for, from, for, from organizations and structures we'd wanted to control. And the power play has become so big that it has started translating into our personal relationships and not has started, it, has, it, it began a while ago. So the breakdown of family structures and the breakdown of personal relationships is the strongest manifestation of this. And that's why there is a step back uh, from some of the communities which understand that no matter how you look at a soul, whether you look choose to look at it from the masculine lens or the feminine lens, um, there is only one reason why a soul would choose to hurt another soul. And that reason is only pain. Only a person in pain raises their hand or raises their voice. Only a person in pain wants to control such that the other, such that the subject does not have the will or the capability to fight back. Only a soul in pain wants to suppress, such that the subject would lose their will to live sometimes, or uh, their inherent capability to love. And so these subjects, um, or this, this entire concept of power play, originates from a deeply wounded self that we carry within ourselves. And so before we look at the masculine and the feminine as obvious representations of that pain, which is through genders, um, I'd like to take a step back and see who we are calling the masculine and the feminine. Um, These are not much before the fact that they're genders, because that's just an outward representation. Masculine and feminine are the life force energies that we carry within ourselves. So yes, each uh, body would have a core masculine, uh, which looks like a man or a core feminine energy. But with it is the feminine energy or the masculine energy, respectively. And without either one or with both of them not being in balance with each other, um, we have um, the structures and the relationships that we see today. And so when we look at the masculine, the feminine energies within ourselves, there's a core role, like how do you differentiate, right? Like if we if we were to take our eyes away from masculine, feminine as genders and begin to look at energies, um, then what is the masculine energy representative of and what does the female energy represent? And the female energy, actually, is the so I'll speak of the the female the feminine energy first. So the feminine energy is the energy of intuition. It's the energy of creativity. It's the the energy of compassion. It's the the energy of patience. It's the energy of the nurturer. Um, she creates. Um, she doesn't create. She imagines, visualizes, dreams and she creates an environment in which the dream can flourish. So she is the visualizer, the, imagine, the imaginative one, the intuitive one, the compassionate one. So she nurtures an environment. That's the energy that we call the feminine energy. And with that is the masculine energy. And what the masculine energy does is, once that environment of creative nourishment has been, is there, the masculine energy steps in within ourselves to now put it into action, to now physically create kingdoms or canvases or dreams or or reality out of it. So, and the creator-doer part of it is the masculine, the action-oriented decisiveness part of it, the courage-oriented part of it is the masculine energy. And the the nurturer, dreamer, um, feeling from the heart, And visualizing things of beauty and possibility is the feminine part of it. And without each other, none of them are capable, both of them are not capable of even surviving. And so balancing the feminine and the the masculine energies within us is not just a thing of concept or, or poetry or something good to do it is essentially a quest for survival because what you see, what we see now with each person's masculine and feminine out of balance within themselves, either we have um, an entire community of individuals who are supremely talented, but lack the motivation to convert their talent or to take their talent forward to bring it to life, or we have very action oriented, doing driven community of individuals who lack the inspiration, a real soul purpose, a real reason as to why they're taking that action. So they're just it's mindless action. So at one side, there is a creative, there is creative procrastination. And on the other side is mindless action. So both of them within ourselves, Represent an imbalance between the feminine and the masculine energies, and how it translates into our everyday relationships is, for example, if a soul's masculine energy is out of balance and the feminine is leading, and say the f- soul primarily ad- identifies as a mass as a feminine, so say it's myself, right? So my um, I I have a core feminine energy. Which I began off with, so I can I'll tell my story. I began off with, it was an energy that um, was poetic, that loved art and beauty, uh, literature. It dreamt kingdoms from dust into becoming in the, on the canvas of her mind. Um, she would sing out of tune. She would, instead of walking, she would skip. Um, there was a lilt to her presence and she liked giving she liked she was a giver Um, she liked um, telling stories she liked sharing her sandwiches she liked sharing her books so that was me in my core feminine energy and then life happened I found myself and I felt that was the core feminine energy that I was born with and I would lead with right And then there were parts of my uh, life that began to unfold in unexpected ways. In a way that my core feminine started to feel wounded and started to feel attacked and started to feel like she must do something to survive. She started to feel that her, uh, her love for beauty and poetry and her heart was not enough. And so I began to channel my masculine energy And began to lead with the masculine energy. Now, what that meant was that I uh, put aside a lot of things of beauty and love that I liked. And I became very focused and driven and what some would call ambitious um, and very successful by worldly definitions. And the only way that I would allow my feminine energy to come out is is by aligning my career path. As being a creative so I was a creative director was also a strategy director but I was leading with my masculine now what that meant was that I was hardcore cutthroat when it came to my work but my ideas were very surface driven ideas and my behavior in the way that I showed up in my personal life and in office life in my professional life in my personal relationships was also ruthless Because I was leading from a place of a woundedness. So when I was leading from a place of woundedness, I ended up suppressing my feminine. I ended up enabling the distorted version of my masculine energy to come forth. And so both lost, right? There was no success story there. There was no, forget, imbalance, because it was originating from a place of pain and wanting to survive and wanting to prove something without dealing with a lot of... um, Sadness and a lot of pain that was going around in my life. Um, I started to just do, and so as a result, I was operating as a wounded soul, but a, a masculine first wounded soul. Now, what would a masculine first wounded soul, as who whose core energy is feminine, so woman, what what kind of relationships do you feel like I would attract in my life? Right, it's quite obvious. It's a formula, really. I would attract equally uh, wounded, equally distorted self, masculine energies in my life. So if you were to look at um, either the bosses that I reported to or the structures that I set up and enabled and became a part of or my personal relationships, all three of them were led by men whose wounded egos or wounded selves were the ones that they were bringing to office and to my life as well. So that meant that the only purpose in life was to control and to make money heedlessly, needlessly without any purpose. And because I was the same person, there's no judgment right now, because I was the same person, I was attracting similar partners. And so that's what it looks like for a wounded soul to lead with a wounded masculine energy. When you end up shutting down your feminine, and when I began to, st- and when I began to want to break out of this pattern, which was about four and a half to five years ago, I broke out with a bang because I. It's almost as if you know when you're leaving a I don't know a jail cell of some sort, the one that you've created, of course before leaving you set a match to it so my last actions before leaving that wounded place were also extreme were also extremely destructive and they were the epitome of what a wounded soul would do so that's what um, how it translates into relationships now similarly and because I've studied the uh, and the reason why I've studied it is because I've been been around uh, wounded masculines whose core energy is masculine; their feminine is also shut down. Um, is when a man leads from a place of uh, lack, place of, uh, lack of self-worthiness, place of lack of self-worthiness, place place of lack of of purpose, which always come, uh, which will inevitably happen when um, he's not connected to his feminine energy within. The kind of relationships or the partners that they would attract are wounded feminines or distorted feminines, who represent a certain archetype, uh, who we believe to be your perfect match or your, um, you know, the 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 partner that you've always been looking for. So she'd look a certain way, she'd have a certain degree, she'd talk a certain way, she'd be a rebel without being too out there. Um, She would, um, uh, she would, uh, she would, she would. build you up just enough, but also leave you guessing just enough. So that's the power play of the wounded or the distorted feminine. And so that masculine ends up attracting, you know how we have these, uh, we, 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 uh, we talk about this, right? How is that a loyal man never finds a faithful woman? And how is that the faithful woman never finds a loyal man? It's not never, never. It's that the faithful woman is bringing a lot of her scars and a lot of her baggage that she has not worked on to the relationship and vice versa. And for two people who are equally committed to healing their wounded selves, they have to first begin with one realization that whatever partners, whatever uh, bosses, whichever co-workers that they've attracted in their lives, men, men or women are... With very strong reflections and perpetual reflections of the cycles that they must break. So there's been, and because the, the human propensity is to always point the finger outward, um, I was a victim of domestic abuse because my uh, ex-husband or husband was a violent human being. Of course, that part of it is absolutely true. Step away from that relationship. But when you go on to another relationship, you're carrying the scars of the wounded feminine with you. And that wounded feminine is now looking for a partner. And the partner she will find, if she's not uh, looked at herself, the partner she will find will be another wounded masculine who has been suppressed or um, made to feel less somehow in his own relationships. And then starts the cycle again. So where does it break? Um, We all understand we're all in pain. Um, Who calls truth first? And that's where um, biology really comes into play. Because there's a beautiful gift that the feminine has, and that's the gift of the womb. That womb nurtures life, um, for months, that womb naturally knows how to be kind. That womb naturally knows how to be compassionate. The womb naturally knows how to be patient. And the womb naturally knows how to be selfless. And so when we ask um, who takes the first step, it's got to be the feminine. And this is how I visualize it. Um, it's not a story that I tell myself. It's something that my soul Sees, doesn't feel, sees to be so true. It's almost as if the feminine who has the natural capability to transmute because she is a nurturer. It's almost as if, you know, when you, um, it's the same earth that grows beautiful flowers, but you also throw um vegetables and fruits, um, rotten ones back into the earth so that it can turn it back into beautiful vegetables and earth, uh, and, and fruits, right? So it, it transmutes, it's a natural nurturer and so is the feminine. She's a natural transmuter, she's a natural nurturer. So the journey of the divine dance begins off with the feminine pausing, and taking a step back from the battlefield. And I call it the battlefield, because when, as women, we step up to fight for our rights and to scream and burn down and take to the roads, we are leading from our masculine selves, wounded masculine energies. We are not staying true to the core of who we are. What is happening is unfair. How you fix it is what I'm talking about now. And the fixing part of it is not about rage. It's not about violence. Because as the core feminine in the way that it was created by the divine, the core feminine does not contribute to the frequency of violence or rage or hatred. It steps back and it helps wash it away. It helps transmuted it does not contribute it contribute to it and so which is why you'd see the strongest feminist movements in the world have resulted in small steps but not real change or real impact because as much awareness as we have on the violence against women has that resulted in the violence against women being stopped or being mitigated It has not. The recorded cases, the number of recorded cases have gone up. COVID contributed to it as well. So whereas there is a shame or guilt attached to violence against women, it's not stopped because the way of approaching violence is not through more violence. And so what the feminine collective is being asked to do to finally balance this divine dance of the masculine and the feminine, which results in healthy partnerships, healthy relationships, and healthy political and social structures, is to step back within. And as she steps back within, there's a lot of demons, or what we call shadow work, that is done in step, as step one, which is when you step back within, it's almost as if it's a room that you're locked when you were a little child. And when you open the door again, there is darkness, there's dust, there are like centuries of um, dust have been accumulated which is accumulated over, over time in that room. You don't recognize the things anymore. Um, but you've got to step back and stay in that room for a long, long, long time until you have dealt with all the demons that you have shut away in that room. The woman's got to do that work first because she is a natural transmuter. And as the woman does the work, why it's important for her to do the work, as the woman does the shadow work, does the healing work, does the self work, does the reflection work, she transmutes her pain, her trauma, her tragedies. She rewrites her story she's clearing the space within whatever that room is, right? And the more she's clearing the space, the more light's now coming in and from her. And as more light is coming in and from her, the more she clears, the stronger the light becomes. The stronger the light becomes, the more fertile that her environment becomes, fertile in terms of beauty and and love and, and softness and gentleness. And so, in fact, by stepping back within and by transmuting her own shadows and her own darkness, she's readying or she's creating a fertile, beautiful garden that she's doing only for herself. She's not doing it for anybody. She's doing it because she must. The same way after a woman gets pregnant, it is only her who has to go through those nine months. And no matter how supportive another person is, you cannot feel her pain or her body stretching beyond human imagination. And her enduring the stretching of that pain um, is hers alone. And so she must do this inner work alone, supported by as many people as possible, of course, alone as in for nobody or no thing but herself, And as she does the work and as she grows the garden, as her light becomes brighter and stronger and so powerful for her own self, she begins to recognize some of the innate gifts that she has. Now, the innate gifts of feminine energy are unique. They are of song. They are of music. They are of poetry. They are of painting. They are of self-expression in a million different ways. And as her gifts become more, and as she finds those gifts under, the lo, under a lot of rubble, um, and she begins to sing or create or step into her gifts, she begins to feel the true divine power of the energy with which she was created, which is the divine feminine. And as she steps into that power and she begins to channel her gifts and she begins to channel that energy that she's born, she has, that's her gift, and she begins to say, "Sing." Now, I don't mean sing, literally sing, also, but sing. When she sings, and her lights become her light becomes strong, it's almost as if, with the vibration of that love or that light that she now carries within, the walls of that room and the door of the room begins they begin to break down, and as that happens, and as the light spills over into the darkness of the other room, which is, which, will, for example, which, which imagine for that to be the masculine's room, masculine energy room. The masculine wakes up. And as the masculine wakes up and the masculine energy wakes up and looks at the woman who is standing in her queen power and standing with a strong sense of self, which has nothing to do with anyone but herself, he begins to be inspired. The the masculine energy begins to be inspired to create or to work with that light, almost as if, you know, the, the entire idea of the muse. So the feminine energy becomes his muse to create something beautiful from that light that's spilling over. And now the purpose of his creation is rooted Because he's creating with the light that the feminine is emanating. The purpose of his creation is pure. It's rooted in love. And anything that he now creates with that light will be of love. And as he's creating, he begins to wake up to his own unique gifts. Because he will get whatever resources he needs now or he wants now to create he will get those resources, whatever it takes. Whether he has to dismantle structures, whether he has to go foraging off into distant mountains, or he digs through the earth while he finds what he wants, he will dig that up, which is uniquely masculine. And with the feminine energy, the masculine then begins to create what I believe to be the new earth, which is a world based in and on the frequency of love. And of oneness. And so the first step has to be that of the feminine. It's not easy. But it's natural. It's natural. It's, uh, it's like childbirth is not easy, but it's natural to us. But somebody's got to say, and that somebody has to be the feminine. Somebody's got to say, I do not want to fight anymore. Here, I lay down my arms. And as she lay da- lays down her arms, whatever ammunition that she has gathered through the centuries to be able to control the masculine, as she begins to lay down those arms within herself, and th- when she steps back inside and she begins to lay down that those arms, there will be an intense sense of being unsafe that she will feel. It's almost as if you have sh- you sheathed yourself in multiple skins, to survive and to keep yourself and your gifts and your essence safe but in doing so you had forgotten your gifts and your essence that's another point but you had sheathed yourself so strongly and so tightly that when you begin to take it off there's a strong sense of rawness and vulnerability that you now have to deal with and what do you do how do you deal with that rawness and vulnerability the idea is not to show that rawness or vulnerability or take it to the masculine or your masculine, but to surround yourself with other feminine energies. And that's why they talk about how when the, the feminine first begins to heal, how important it is for a woman to build another woman, not from a career standpoint, but from the feminine energy to support and build the other feminine energy. And it's I'll go back to childbirth having your mother there as you are bringing a child to the world or your sister or somebody who has been through those labor pains you do not want your husband there at point at that point well maybe you do but you know the the support and the the comfort that you get from from having a fellow womb bearer as you are bringing another life into the world is incomparable and that's why when we first begin to lay down our arms and unsheathe ourselves and put down our ammunition, um, we need our female tribe. We need the feminine energies to be surrounding us. And so at the time that we decide to go inward, it's so important to connect as feminine with your soul tribe or with your community of the feminine energy, which equally believes in not wanting to fight anymore, which equally believes in wanting to extend the pureness of their love to their masculine counterparts and do it not because they want the love of the masculine counterpart because they must. They do it because it's true for them. They do it because without the masculine, there is no feminine. And without the mas- feminine, there is no masculine. They do it because there is a balance to this divine rhythm. And when this balance is upset, as we have been experiencing it through generations now, through centuries now, when that balance is upset, nobody is happy. Nobody is at peace. Nobody can sleep at night. Nobody can be happy without popping pills or getting into um, addictions. We're not happy because there is... The divine balance is not balanced. And the first step has to be taken by the feminine. She can only take that step, though, once she sees. And that's why the observer, the one that I've spoken of a few times before, the observer part of it is so important. is when she removes herself from the playing field, so to speak. So imagine there's a foosball, for example, you know, in the foosball, right? There's a this, this crazy fight that's happening between the two opponents and you're both on the field and you're in the moment and you just have to make sure that the ball doesn't get into the goal and like that's the only objective and you're playing the game, you're playing the game, you're playing the game for centuries, you're playing the freaking game. But only when the feminine says, wait a minute, let me see, let me observe myself playing that game so she yanks herself out of the playing field because in that playing field she's angry in that playing field she is motivated to destroy her opponent in that playing field she's assaulted by stories and visuals of women being harassed and murdered and raped and 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 um, violated and Uh, beaten up by their by men in that game she will find those facts to support the anger and the vengeance with which she's playing the game but when she removes herself from the game and looks at it she removes herself and looks at the game being played as an observer suddenly the masculine and the feminine genders stop being genders and stop they actually begin to be two souls who are so caught up in a cycle of mutually afflicted pain that they have completely forgotten who they are originally. And once the feminine observes those two opponents, she begins to see not them fighting each other or one being oppressed. She begins to see the game and she begins to see the pain and she begins to see that she has a choice to step off the field. And so anytime, and that's why this analogy of we cannot go within and stay outside at the same time. So when I say the feminine has to take that first step, that first step is not outward. She has to take the first step back in, whether that means whatever it means. She has to take that uh, step back in, because as long as she's on that field, she will be fighting. Forget anybody. What she'll be fighting, and we do not fight anymore. We do not fight anymore. We do not. I ref- we refuse to play the game. I refuse to look at my masculines, the masculines who have emotionally abused me or physically abused me or harassed me and made me feel unsafe and made me feel less or maybe I refuse to look at those masculines as ugly people anymore I don't believe that I go back to only a soul in pain raises their hand or raises their voice or raises a gun only a soul in pain does that and vice versa, I refuse to believe that women are manipulative or deceitful and, you know, they will do whatever it takes to get their way. I refuse to do it because I have experienced within myself the distorted feminine and the divine feminine. And I have experienced within myself the distorted masculine and the divine masculine. And there's a lot of mistrust even between myself, between the two energies. And But here's what's happened. Even as there is an imbalance within myself, between the two energies, I still have the observer's advantage. And the observer's advantage enables me to look at this imbalance and not judge it, not be influenced by it, not be pulled down into the game anymore. Observe it and detach. Observe it and detach. And what that means is that even as, as recent as a month ago, I found myself... I believe that I had healed to a dramatic extent, right? <laughs> that was my personal belief about myself, and I have. I've come a very, very, very long way. But here are some of the patterns uh unhealed patterns because they go so deep that sometimes they become more sophisticated in manifesting themselves. And you don't realize them at the time that you recognize them as the time that they're manifesting themselves. But now, because you've been on the journey for a while, it takes you a shorter period to recognize your own patterns. And thank God. So what I realized was that um, I believed that I was in balance. And yet, I was attracting the masculine who was in his uh, wounded state. And the wounded masculine, as an outward projection, as a man, looks like a man who is shut down from his emotions, from his feminine. He's all about, he has decided that he is going to show up in the world and do X, Y, Z, and that's all he's focused on doing and he's doing it really, really well. But he's shut away from his feminine, which is the emotional side, right? And I I could not see that because I thought I was healed, so he the outward projection of my masculine would also be a healed masculine. But what I didn't realize was after a couple of weeks in, what I didn't realize was I there was a wounded part of me, my feminine, that had not healed. A wounded part of my feminine who was still looking for validation from her masculine, who was still looking for acceptance, who was still measuring her self-worth from the eyes that the masculine looked at. And that means that my masculine... Uh, was not in balance within. That's the only way I would be around another energy of a wounded masculine because I have wounded a wounded masculine. So when I stepped back and stepped in, spent some time uh, understanding those imbalances again, talking to them, looking at them, forgiving myself, um, um, extending compassion because that's what the feminine energy does so beautifully, extending compassion to myself telling myself that I've lived a certain life for X many years, give myself some time, give myself some grace to break out of those patterns as well. And with that same compassion and the same grace that I'm extending to my feminine energy, I then extend the same compassion and the same grace to the expression of my wounded masculine on the outside, to that other human being. And that what that compassion and that grace looks like is um you might not be open to experiencing the fullness of your emotions right now i'll step back i respect who you are and i hope that you wake up to your heart at some point and i hope you allow yourself give yourself permission to do that so that's the same compassion that then i would extend to my wounded masculine And when I extend it outward, I'm also, of course, extending it inward. So that means that now I am more aware of the imbalances between my masculine, my feminine energies within. And so I would ask you to do as a clear check of how balanced your masculine, feminine energies within are um, as a quality of your relationships on the outside, whether it's in your workspace, whether it's your friendships. Um, your soul tribe, or your personal relationships, or as parents. Because when we bring the wounded masculine to a parental role, for example, it would always, always be laced with passive aggressiveness, violence, suppression, um, unhealthy behaviors, addictions, um, a host of ailments that we bring uh, to our role as a parent, as a wounded masculine, and similarly as a wounded feminine, again, control tactics, control mechanisms, um, uh, micromanaging, helicopter parenting—all of these are rep- are are um, representation of a wounded masculine, uh, wounded feminine, who has no other way to uh, demonstrate her femininity except by controlling her masculines. In the best way she knows how, um, by being the decisive force in their lives, um, by attaching herself violently to the, her masculines, so they never escape her grasp. So that's what that's what it looks like uh, for wounded feminines as parents. So the divine dance is not because uh, it propagates joy, which of course it does, which of course it does. So, but and that is the ultimate goal the ultimate goal is for both the feminine and the masculine to heal for the feminine to lead in her own healing with her own healing so she creates a beautiful nurturing environment for the masculine to also lay down his arms to also step forth in her light and create as he must that is the goal and with that purpose And with that beauty in hand, imagine the world that we can create. And I don't mean in a kingdom space uh, version, right? I'm saying in our personal lives, in our own personal homes, in our own personal relationships. When we begin to identify our patterns, and the, uh, looking at the quality of uh, our relationships and begin to identify why we're doing what we're doing, why our partners are doing what we're, what they're doing, what I, why our kids are behaving the way they're behaving. And we begin to identify how all of those reactions are are part of our own patterns, of our own wounded selves and begin to step back within and work out that balance through the shadow work through inner reflection, by forgiving ourselves, by acknowledging all our emotions, imagine then the relationships we can create. And it's not, again, it's not easy, but in this world now, more than ever, it is not just possible, but almost here. And I say that because, um, so my, we call ourselves a, um, so I have my soul tribe these beautiful powerful feminine energies all in, in on the journey of healing all come from different backgrounds and people that I didn't know some of them I do some of them I didn't know till about uh, you know six months ago and all of us um have been going through the same experiences uh over the past six to seven months and we've come to a point where the the fact that this podcast is possible, the fact that this, even if there's one woman and one man in the core of feminine and masculine energies tuning in, and the fact that if there's, and not just to me, like the 15,000 million other people who are speaking of the same concepts and who are doing the same inner work, who are doing the same healing as feminines, and their masculines are um, reflecting that divinity in their personal relationships, now more than ever, it's not just possible, it's happening, it's happening around us. They're beautifully, beautiful, healthy relationships, deeply fulfilling relationships, which are blossoming forth. And why that's happening is because there is a trust that's being extended from the feminine to the masculine. And it is initiated by the feminine. And that trust is inviting the masculine um, to also begin to break down the walls that he has also built against receiving the pure, the pure love that he's destined to. That's his birthright as well. And for both the masculine and the feminine to um, call truce um, and to lay down their arms. Because without that is a world that we've experienced it thus far. And it's not a world that satisfied us. It's not a world that we want to pass on to our children. It's not a world that I wanted, I will, this is not the world I'm going to pass on to my children. My children will not carry the wounds of my trauma. Um, This is where the cycle stops. This is where I break the cycle. They will not carry my generational wounds not as my feminine and not as my masculine and they will start creating from their seat of creation which is a balance of the masculine and the feminine they will not be told my son will not be taught what it what it means to be a real man what it means to be a real divine man is to be beautifully in touch with your feminine energy and to bring it forth bring bring it to life through His determination and focus and and courage of creation, that's what he's uh, understanding what a, a true man is, the one who leads from his heart, the one who cries and the one who is not afraid to say that he is broken or he's hurting and that he doesn't want to take that responsibility anymore. He doesn't want to live up to anybody's dreams anymore. He refuses, my son refuses to continue that cycle of distorted masculine. And I refuse because I have healed my inner masculine enough for him to be able to do the same. That's the gift that I'm giving to my children. That's the gift that you give when you begin to heal your inner feminine, the inner masculine. Your outward relationships represent your healing automatically. And so the gift that I'm... Asking all of us as masculines and feminines to give ourselves to look within, see where the imbalance is within us and understand that all the outward people, places, events are only reflections of the imbalances within us. And there's nobody to blame. There's nobody to point the finger at. There is no aggressor. There is no victim. There has been. Facts tell us they are. But within, there are no aggressors and no there are no victims, they are only people in pain, heal yourself face your shadows do the shadow work heal yourself so you can heal your men heal yourself so you can heal all generations that ever were and all generations that ever will be heal yourself so that you can so that your children can inherit the world that you wanted to inherit do that work and step forth feminine, that is um, that's it That's it. I have no other words. Step forth, step up, step within. The feminine's got to do it. Um, So that's it. Thank you. Much love.